Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Experience Creators. My name is Caroline Maley and I am your host. And it is my absolute pleasure today to introduce you to Jake Biorse. Jake is an expert marketer and founder of Trendsetters Media, an ad agency helping brands connect to their Gen Z consumers. They have worked with the likes of McDonald's, Garmin's, and the North Face. And today on our interview, we talk about the marketing experience of brands as it relates to the Gen Z consumer. Jake shares with us some common mistakes that he sees businesses making when trying to attract this audience. He shares trends that he believes will dictate the future of the Gen Z consumer. And he also gives us some practical tips that we can really implement straight away if we have an experience on offer that we would like to put in the eyes of the Gen Z age demographic. So without further ado, let's begin the interview. Jake, welcome to the Experience Creators. Thank you so much for, for being on the interview series. Super excited to have you here. Uh, I want to start, I want to dive straight in, and I want to start with, in your opinion, what makes an incredible experience? What are the elements that need to come together to make an experience that is impactful that you're going to remember forever? Yeah, so I think a couple of things, and you know, some, some are going to be obvious when it comes to creating that, that memorable experience. Um, but, but I think one, it has to be connected, connected with other individuals within, and certainly it depends on the context, but this could be the case physically, virtually, digitally, within any channel, within any setting, there has to be some sort of connection with some sort of community, whether that is B2B, whether that's more B2C, uh, or if that, that's friends, that's family, that's colleagues. Um, so when it comes to creating that experience, I think that's like, you know, foundational. And then I think the, the second thing, especially for younger audience members, is it has to be shareable. Uh, and this is something we, we see quite often, especially what we do as an agency, helping brands reach Gen Z consumers. It, if it isn't able to be shared, um, then it limits the potential exposure and almost like second wave gratification that, that, that stems from things. And certainly we could cite a lot of examples of younger generations um, almost going through experiences just or the sharing that, that's going to happen right. following that experience. So, uh, but, but I think those are my, my two biggest things is, is going to be community slash connection. And then the second is going to be sharing. And can you think of an experience that you had maybe, maybe as a young child or in the last couple of years that right now at this moment that you can recall to the detail that, that sticks in your mind, that, that has not changed a second since the moment you experienced it? Yeah, so I think a couple. I think growing up, um, I, I, I always love looking at past experiences and how those have translated into who I've become or where my interests lie. And so, you know, growing up, I was very fortunate uh, to be the oldest of three brothers. And alongside that, grew up in a neighborhood that was just all boys, just all around the same. I don't know if there was like an epidemic in my city or neighborhood, <laughs> but there were no girls being born. It was just guys. And somehow there, there happened to be so many all kind of the same age. And I was always the, the schemer, the planner, coordinating the games. And I, I just remember growing up in that time and can vividly remember the experience of knocking on all my neighbors' doors, going outside, playing football, and, and specifically like a, uh, playing snow football on a snow day. That, that's like my favorite experience. And 
the reason why that means so much to me is one, I would give everything up in my entire life to go back to being eight years old and just worrying about playing sports right. and whatever yeah. else I was worried about. The time. Probably video games. I don't even know if I was worried about girls or anything else then. Uh, but, but I would get everything to go back to that. But the other thing too is I, I see how much that's translated into who I've become and the strengths that exist at such a young age. And so that's why, why it is so, so impactful for me. Um, and then another that, that, that's kind of happened recently, uh, and it means a lot from just a memory standpoint, is I, I actually spoke um, at the University of Kansas Entrepreneurship Club. And, you know, I do a lot of speaking engagements. I'm on a lot of podcast interviews, so on. So, it, you know, it is quite frequent. But the reason why that was so impactful for me is because just three years ago, I was a student in that same classroom. And I was told that the business concept I had simply wasn't going to last. It wasn't going to make it. And now that's the same business I'm running today, going back and speaking to those same classrooms. So that was a good moment. Maybe it's my pettiness that's driving out of that, but yeah. I think it's more so just the, the, the 360 of the story, like almost a movie plot, right? Were you able to give like a cheeky nod to, to the teachers and stuff that you had in the past that were there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, to an extent. And, and I always, I never know how to play those um, moments like best because in, in all honesty, like I should be thanking those individuals yeah. for, for that doubt that, that, that existed, then, then I wouldn't be in the current situation I am. So I'm a big believer in like everything ultimately does happen for a reason, right. but competitive nature in me that's also existed since a very young age, very much wants to, to let them know and remind them. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, your childhood memory, that's a really interesting one because I am the eldest of three girls and my cul-de-sac, my neighborhood was very girl focused. Like there was hardly yeah. any boys. There was like one skater boy up the road, but we were all girls and we were always outdoors and, and, and playing like everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so I, I totally relate to that story because my, when I think of experiences in, in my childhood and growing up, that is something that has shaped me to the person I am today. So I, yeah, that, that's a very cool uh, similarity. Um, speaking about now, now that you're, you know, in that transformation coming to now, what do you do? Tell us about your agency um, and the audiences that you serve. Yeah, certainly. So I think it's almost no different than what I was doing at the age of eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. Uh, and, and what I'm doing is helping brands understand and then connect with my generation of consumers. And, and that's Gen Z. And so I run an agency called Trendsetters. We help brands uh, ultimately go out and reach Gen Z consumers. And we work at the Fortune 500 level just this year alone. We've worked with McDonald's, United Healthcare, Coca-Cola, North Face, Denny's, and most recently L'Oreal. Um, so incredible experience working at that level. And then we work a lot at the startup and small business level um, with brands that are really solely focused on reaching and growing with that younger demographic. And, and so well, what's so interesting about how those early childhood experiences have certainly kind of shaped where I've since gone, obviously that, you know, all those steps along the way led to that. Um, but there's, there's a few just inherent kind of characteristics that are developed at a young age from those experiences. And I, I, I can almost correlate, you know, certain moments that have now happened within the past three years of the business that I, you know, I may, may have likely made the same decision or same kind of path that I went down based on what I would have done in the past. And so right. it's so interesting how those two um, are intertwined and connected. And what, what I feel like every single day is ultimately what I'm doing is, is no different 
you know, what I'm doing in helping brands reach my same, you know, Gen Z consumers and peers is no different than what I would have done in the past, um, growing up, surrounded by my peers of that same age, all interested in the same things and trying to cultivate and get people to do things. I mean, I was always the, the kid that was scheming what our plans and, you know, in middle school, I, w- I was always the guys, uh, the guy like planning the, uh, the dates we go on with girls are going to the movies or the party that we throw, um, you know, so it's, uh, it's really interesting to see how that's kind of translated. I think that's something that I certainly don't maybe take for granted a little bit was those past experiences that also molded me to, to who I am today. And, and Gen Z, this year, 2020, how old is Gen Z? What, what age group are we talking about here? Yeah, so our agency, we define it as the age 10 to 25 right now. Okay. Uh, and obviously that's one that, that, that's going to continue to age up. Uh, and you can look at a lot of different reports and see a lot of different ages, but typically it's somewhere within that time frame. Um, and it's such an interesting cohort, not just the fact that it is Gen Z, but you think about the ages 10 to 25, and the differences between those. And yeah. there's some of your most pivotal moments that happen in life and your most ultimately like memorable experiences. Um, you know, you start with middle school and that's where uh, you're introduced to fashion and new products. And uh, you start to steer away from parental decisions and you start to develop your own kind of consumer and buying habits and ultimately your own lifestyle. And then you go towards high school and you know that the, the cult that is high school you kind of adjust to, you, you have to worry about things like popularity, you have to worry about your grades, so on. And, and then even within high school, you know, you're growing up, you're changing literally physically, uh, but of course, mentally and characteristically as well. Uh, and then you go to college, which for most people, that, that's what they claim to be their, their favorite three, four, five years of their life. Uh, so then you have that experience. And then if you're then 22, 23, 24, 25, still within Gen Z, well, now you're post-college, you're starting your first career, you're getting your first place on your own, you have to fend for yourself for the first time ever. So within a very, uh, w- within just a 15-year age range, there's so many differences that are happening and, and lifestyles that are changing. And even when, uh, you know, at a macro level, the, the 2008 financial crisis is certainly said to have an impact on Gen Z, while most of us, a lot of us, well, some of us hadn't even been born within a Gen Z cohort, but for those that had been, we were so young that we, we didn't really know what was going on, but maybe we noticed less uh, presence coming around the holiday season or, or we didn't take a vacation that, that one or two years. Um, and so we certainly like saw that. And while we were, weren't cognizant of it, that, that existed in our subconscious. And now we're seeing that when it comes to Gen Z's finance, because Gen Z is now the most financially savvy generation yet. And so, you know, in a year like 2020, where we've had so much chaos that's ensued, it's important to note that this will have ultimately the greatest impact uh, in terms of changing characteristics on younger Gen Z consumers because ultimately their minds are just more mendable uh, and, and can kind of adjust. And outside of 2008, there hasn't been a massive kind of global event that's ultimately shaped the generation. So what I'm most looking forward to as we head into uh, the next decade ahead with 2020 kind of being an asterisk, so let's just forget about that one. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what I look forward to most is seeing those those changes within that demographic um, and seeing how ultimately it's going to create a much better consumer. And we already thought that we, we already had a lot of positive signs with Gen Z, very much unlike millennials that, that uh, a lot of the business world was excited about. Now I think that that's only going to increase and I can't wait to see the ramifications of that play out in the market. It, it is a very interesting age cohort. Even when you think about 
there's such drastic changes from year to year. Even when you think about when you were 15 and you had a friend that was like 19, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like the four year yeah. difference was absolutely crazy. Whereas, you know, me personally, I'm 35 and, you know, five years plus or minus my age is not a big deal. It's like, we're basically the same age, but in those early years, those formative years, there's such a huge difference between year to year. So that's really interesting that you are, I mean, you have such a different spectrum that, that you are catering to. Um, yeah. When, when you, I find for me, like I'm, I'm an experienced strategist. So I really focus on the actual experience. And one thing that I find a lot of my clients, a lot of the conversations that I have is there's the thought in terms of the, the deep understanding of, of the experience itself, how the guest or the client will actually journey through that experience and the impact that we are actually trying to create by offering such an experience that the level of thought is not there. And that's why a lot of experiences are average. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be an online experience on a website. It could be a live experience. I used to work for Surf du Soleil. So sitting there, you know, uh, watching uh, the most remarkable one and a half hours of your life, uh, potentially. So no matter what it was, there's always this conversation around how we can create more impact. And a lot of it comes from these experienced creators not really understanding deeply what they are a trying to achieve, but also really putting themselves in the shoes of the of of the cohort that they're actually creating um, these these experiences for. So, from your point of view, businesses now, in terms of the marketing experience of their brands, what are some common mistakes where or oversights that that are occurring in terms of trying to attract, trying to to work with that Gen Z cohort? Yeah, I, I think uh, the most common mistake I see is thinking of that the surface level, um, the surface level attention grabber is the end all be all. Um, and, and, you know, an example of that might be thinking that, oh, well, if we do this thing on TikTok Live, if Gen Z is on TikTok, therefore, we will translate and convert that audience. And that's just simply not the case. Or you know, if we have this event, we get David Dobrik to come up or Emma Chamberlain or one of the big influencers mm -hmm. in the Gen Z cohort, well, okay, we're going to get that attention automatically, but it's not as systematized as that. This is not a generation that just sees surface level. Um, and, and they often, I don't want to say they, they understand marketing, you know, just as well as a lot of the marketers that are, that are working to reach them. But I would say that there's a level of almost like understanding the fourth wall. Um, it, it's almost like if, if you're old consumer, you were showcasing them to a movie, it's almost like, well, maybe that barrier doesn't exist. Whereas with Gen Z, they understand, okay, this is a movie. I understand what's going on. I'm thinking about how the director or producer is creating it. Why are they doing things this way? So Gen Z just can, can see the marketing taking place almost backstage, right? Not just like what's on the stage. And so I think a lot of, a lot of brands, um, when it comes to creating experiences, often forget that. Um, and, and therefore they, they just show, you know, the, the lineup to grab the attention, uh, but they don't really do anything in terms of creating an experience far greater than that. Um, and the other thing too, I, I think it's this idea that the digital platforms alone is what creates it um, instead of what's actually taking place. Um, so whether it's live on a social platform or whether it's something taking place on Twitch, or I think we've seen some incredible experiences from like Fortnite and Travis Scott, that in-game in, -app, that in concert, um, those things are not alone driven by that digital channel or platform or system, whatever it ultimately is. What it is is ultimately the, the experience that, that, that you're driving. And, 
Um, you know, I, I think sometimes we spend a little bit too much time uh, thinking about it and, and from a sense of, oh, it's physical or, oh, it's digital or, oh, it's entirely virtual or AR, you know, in the future, I think it's going to be a big one. Um, and we, we almost like put that caveat around it and that limits our thinking of it. And we set our expectations based on that rather than kind of forgetting the medium because the reality is, and if 2020 showed us anything, that the medium no longer matters. And whether it's a physical event, a digital, a virtual reality one, uh, it, it's still at the end of the day, you're having to drive home some sort of experience. And it isn't to say that those each don't have their own differences, uh, but I think those differences just matter a lot less, um, right. especially when consumers right now, the expectation um, is a lot less on whatever medium that is. So I think that that's the common misconceptions that, that I typically see. Yeah, I would agree with that from from kind of a 35 year olds point of view where there's such a in older older generation conversation, baby boomers, for example, this idea that the young generation is very lazy, they're always in their phones, they're they're it's very surface level. But I am totally on the same page with you. And one of the industries that I work a lot within is the travel industry. And what what trends that I see is there's going to be a lot more intentionality. There's got going to be a lot more authentic experiences. And travelers are just are not going to want to travel just because they want to feel something. They want to be impacted. They want to have a transformation in some way. So it's really interesting that you say that because again, there is that stereotype that it is very surface level, but clearly there's this need to connect on a much deeper level with the experience or with others that are going through the experience as well, right? And be able to find that find that point of attraction between you and, and a whole bunch of other people that you can actually relate to. Um, okay, so moving into, obviously, yeah, 2020 is kind of this, this slap in the face, this challenging year, this very insightful year, I would say. Moving into 2021, just say that I was a business, I had decided that I really wanted to start connecting with the Gen Z audience. Um, what is a couple of things like, let's say I'm across a bunch of different social platforms, you know, posting regularly uh, about what, what my business is. What are a couple of things, just some very easy steps that I can make, like let's say this week where I can actually start to maybe better understand Gen Z or maybe even try and start having those conversations? Yeah, so what, what I would say 100% the, the first step is to begin working with influencers um, and doing so beyond the surface level transaction. Uh, far, too, far too often I only see influencers utilized for that surface level transaction and not really bring them into the brand and the business. Um, I think there's just so much potential within influencers to bring them in and, and allow them to create a coordination with you. Um, and for you and utilizing influencers based on their own insights too, because what we have to understand is it isn't just the influence they have having maybe, you know, a million followers here or there. It's the fact that they have a community of call it, you know, 500,000 or a million or 2 million or, or 5 million that they are consistently creating for and they understand that community and it works. And they likely have a larger audience base and views per post than you do across all of your social channels combined. Granted, assuming you don't have some sort of massive ad budget behind it, which, which is the case for most brands. So I would say that it's bringing in influencers that at a bare minimum, they should be consulting on, on ideas and strategy for what you can do content wise. Um, you know, the second thing I would say is look to create and be a part of culture rather than simply playing off of it. And 
we've seen a lot of brands, especially in like fast food or CPG, do a good job of playing off of culture, integrating themselves, in introducing meme content, things of that nature, uh, responding to uh, influencers or famous artists or celebrities, um, creating unique conversations, but we haven't seen them really create nor be a part of that culture. Um, so that's something that, that we're really challenging our brand partners is to go out and how can we create this culture? Because these are all trends and insights you can spot. You can understand the direction that, that, that ultimately is being made and you can work to, to create that um, experience within digital systems. And then finally, what, what I would say is obviously you, you need to be on TikTok, you need to be on uh, all the new channels, but within those, you need to be able to create some sort of series content. And, and that's how I define it. Uh, but ultimately, we need to stop looking at social channels and advertising and campaigns as a means of just reaching people with a particular promotion or offer or touch point and just simply adding touch points for no reason. Instead, we need to look at how can we become the media show? How can we, like, how can we become the network show? How can we become the HGTV show with Gordon Ramsay on this thing? And it isn't to say it's structured the same way, but, but you know, what is something that people can consistently come back to us and tune into? And how does that then connect to our brand? And it doesn't have to be, you know, incredibly specific or on brand, you know, just because you are the Oreos brand doesn't mean every video you make has to be about Oreos. It could be about something entirely different. That's not the point. The point is you're amassing an audience that is tuning into you and they're seeking you out and they're going out of their way to find you and tune in and check it out and share it and talk about it with friends. And so I think many more brands need to be media players themselves. Um, and I think there's some good examples of that. And when we look at uh, some of the newest and hottest startups in a lot of consumer, uh, consumer arenas, oftentimes it is the ones that are media brands first, then they start selling a product behind it. You know, obviously influencers do that all the time with merchandise and they'll sell like more merch in one day than like some apparel brands will do in the entire year, which is just crazy to think about. Um, uh, but, but the other thing here, I, I think a really good example is Trump hot sauce, which by the way, is the best hot sauce on the planet. I don't know if you're able to, to get that in uh, where, where you're at. You're gonna, it's already expensive. So it might be worth the, the tax or tariff that you have to pay on it. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a black truffle hot sauce. And the reason this was created the co-founders were talking about this on a podcast recently and they, they were like, yeah, we just, you know, we grabbed the Instagram handle at sauce and we just started posting. And this is the most Gen Z comment I've ever heard in my life, especially on like the biggest stage of a podcast. And they're like, yeah, we just started like posting like saucy content, you know, you know, <laughs> stuff that's like saucy and connects with people. Uh, and to any CMO listening, like, you know, think about their competitors like Sriracha or Cholula or some of the other hot sauce brands. They got to be listening to that thing. Like, I spend so much of my time looking at way too much data, way too much insights and spending massive budgets. And these kids are out here talking about how they grew the biggest hot, one of the biggest hot sauce brands in the world right now, the D2C arena, because they made an Instagram page and posted saucy content, which I don't even know, like what, what does that word ultimately mean? Like it, it could mean a lot of different definitions. Well then after growing that page two years later, they said, you know what we should do? We should just make a hot sauce. It wasn't some crazy business idea. They didn't take it to a Harvard Business Review and or uh, you know an entrepreneurship accelerator and find that oh the hot sauce market is this this and this right. and here's what's happening and there's clues and what no they just created it but they had the audience already built right. so what did they do then they prepped the launch they go to market with it 
and boom, now it is taking over the DDC hot sauce world. And honestly, I'm not gonna lie, like I'm a big fan of Sriracha and Tallulah and I literally throw that stuff on everything. Uh, but this black truffle hot sauce from, from the guys over at Sauce, they're charging uh, probably three to four times as much for right. is, is a game changer. And, and it's incredible, which obviously no matter what you do, you do have to back it up with, with incredible product. But I think that's an example of how brands can be built for the future. Um, I think another great example would be Gymshark and everything they've done. They, they didn't focus on getting in retail outlets or just running ads to get people to buy their product instead of Nike. No, they, they worked with influencers, built a massive fitness community, and now they're able to do what they're doing and they're going to continue to grow like crazy. And so, you know, the brands of the future are ones that are going to be media brands because our, our means between content and consumption, especially in, in the year 2020, we've seen this most, is simply dissolving. Uh, and it's going to be a lot more, I mess with this brand. This is what I like. And so that's why I'm purchasing that product, not because it happens to be the cheapest option on my uh, shelf uh, at the grocery store, because we've already seen disruption in that arena alone in the CPG category. We're already seeing it with restaurants, like uh, in, in the rise of DoorDash and Uber Eats and things of that nature. So I think th those are kind of the big things is, um, you know, if I were to summarize, it's, it's becoming a media brand, it's working with influencers and it's really doing a lot of work on TikTok and other really new channels where you can grow a lot. And I love what you said about really understanding those insights, but fr from those influencers themselves, having those conversations. You know, for me, I worked at Cirque du Soleil and I, I ran the VIP experiences. So every six to eight weeks, we would change cities and I would receive a new team of staff and they would work for me for the next two months. The, the most innovative things that I did and the most successful tweaks and changes that happened in my VIP experience was as a result of me having conversations with my team because they were local. They understood the behavioral psychology even without even knowing that they did behind the guests that were coming through because we were changing countries as well. So one thing that would work in one place wouldn't necessarily work in another place at all. And so that is where I really saw a huge tipping point is when I started to actually have conversations with my team and deeply understand the guests that were coming, you know, hundreds of guests every night. That's when I started to see our experience just, just shoot so much further forward than any other VIP experiences in the company because of those insights and those conversations. So I love that you mentioned that. And I think that's, again, something that is so it's so uh, it's such an oversight for a lot of uh, businesses. They just want to go straight in, maybe straight to the data or straight into just, oh, let's go spend a bunch of money. But there is so much power in having those conversations with the influencers or the people that actually have a deep understanding of, of, of that, that group, the cohort that you're really trying to reach. Um, so I, I, I wanted to include this question because I think that you probably have this conversation a lot. But what is the difference between hiring a, an agency such as yourself that is very highly specialized in the Gen Z, in the Gen Z community, in the Gen Z cohort, then I, I'm sure this is the case where a lot of old school businesses will just get their like the CEO's like niece or nephew that's like maybe oh, studying uh, social media at university and they're like, no, 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 they're Gen Z. So, so you know, they're going to help us with our social media page or example. I, I had a recent example where I was trying to uh, get a client and they were like a very old school business run by this like 67 year old man. The family had been in the business forever and they, it was just this hard no. They were like, no, we're, we've been doing this 
we've been doing this for 50 years and we're not changing. And when I actually looked at their website, they had no social media, it was just a hot mess, but they were so closed off and they didn't understand really how to develop in, I guess, in this 2020, 2021 space. So, you know, if, if I'm sure you've had those questions, what is that, what is really the big difference between getting somebody's, you know, niece or nephew that's studying entrepreneurship or social media, you know, university or school than actually hiring an agency such as yourself that is deeply specified in, into that market? Yeah, definitely. And I, I would say, um, I would say a couple of things. Number one, whenever there is a business or brand that, that thinks with that mentality or mindset, we don't want to work with them anyway. Okay. Uh, and oftentimes we like to weed ourselves out before. I mean, we'll, we'll show up to, to, to meetings at least when they were in person and we'll be wearing hoodies and backwards hats and, you know, high top sneak. Like we, we don't care because that's who we are. Right. Uh, and the other thing is within the conversation alone, like you're not working with us because we're Gen Z, you're, you're working with us. Yeah. It helps with Gen Z, but because we actually know what we're, you know, we ultimately know what we're doing. And, and that's seen when you look at the roster of our company, because frankly, the reason we're called trendsetters is because that's who we hire. We hire absolute badass studs that are the best of what they do. Um, so, so, you know, on that note, I would say, you know, there's a lot of people that play basketball, no different than the amount of people that are on social media and have, you know, 2000 followers here or there. Um, granted, that's, that's nothing close to the numbers that comes from our head of social media and all the rest of our social team and, and all the other networks. Um, but there's a lot of people that play basketball. Uh, but, you know, some people that play basketball are really good at it and they play in the NBA. And the people that aren't so good at it, they are playing on maybe their high school varsity team uh, or, or, you know, they're getting cut. Uh, but ultimately, they don't get to the NBA. Only a very select few right. ultimately get there. So, you know, I see it as like, look, if, if, if you're in the social media realm, and your goal is just to be there and exist, then it's no different than being like, yeah, you know, we, we just want to play basketball. We just want someone here to play basketball. Right. Um, if you just want someone that, that, that can go out there and, and do that, like by all means, but if you want to work with LeBron James or Michael Jordan or some of the best players in the league, like then you need to be working with us. Um, so, so that's always my response to that. And ultimately, if, if that's not something that they can see within the first five minutes of the meeting, um, then, uh, you know, they're, they're not a good business or, or brand to partner with anyway. And I used to be in this mentality of like, well, I have to prove it and I have to, to show this, just, just being a younger individual. Uh, but, but, you know, I think this year alone and some of the incredible brands we work with and partnerships and campaigns we've done um, has proven that like, wait a sec, no, we, we, we 100% do know exactly what we're doing and right. we know what that looks like. Um, in, it's one of those things that if they can't see it, then their own closed mindedness is, it's what is, that's, what's going to kill them. Yeah. And I'm sure that is reflected across many other aspects of their business as well. Not just, uh, not just trying to get their, their audience, uh, connecting better with their audience. Um, so if, if there is somebody out here listening to this and they have a business, uh, they want to improve the marketing experience of their brand, uh, specifically towards Gen Z, and they're interested in working with you and trendsetters, like what are the first steps? What, what do they need to do? How do they how do they have that conversation with you? Yeah, so you can head to our website, www.trendsetters.com. It's trendsetters without vowels. Um, so so yeah, a little, little bit difficult from that front, but uh, you know, you can find us across any and all social platforms. Um, I'm on LinkedIn way too much uh, at Jake Bedorseth. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, ultimately the first step is just getting in touch. And from there, we kind of walk through a strategic process, assess fit, things of that nature. It is not like a hard sales process. We ultimately just like to find brand partners that we're very aligned with the same mission and, and can work together. 
Um, so, so yeah, that's all going to be the first step is to just get in touch. Um, and from there, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but there's no necessarily like commitment uh, up front because we're always assessing to make sure it is a true good fit because for all of our clients across the board, it is very much a true partnership. Um, you know, and it might not be that we're servicing everything under the sun, uh, but it is, hey, this is a true partnership and our goal is something much larger than an X amount of deliverables that exist. While those are certainly going to take place, those, those are the check, checklist items. Those has to, have to get done. We need to set a big, grandiose vision that we're ultimately going after, whether that's growing Gen Z market share, whether it's scaling within Gen Z demographic um, or, or whatever it may be. So, yeah, that, that's ultimately what I'd say. It's just, just reach out, get in touch, and um, I'm always open to conversations. Yeah, and for anyone watching, if uh, if you're not connected with Jake on LinkedIn, that I mean, I I take my hat off to you. You're an incredible on that platform, and I learn so much like on a daily basis for you. And I love the variety of content that you put out uh, from video to text, and it's uh, I it's a whole experience just even observing you on LinkedIn. So uh, that's how I initially uh, was connected with you. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add? Maybe we haven't covered any other important points in terms of reaching that Gen Z market that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say um, the, the last thing would be similar to my, my approach on LinkedIn that you've seen. And if anyone goes and checks out my stuff, you'll certainly see a lot of strategy, a lot of variety, and a lot of content production. And that's our media team producing all of that, um, where, where we like to really prove, you know, what we're able to do, even within a B2B LinkedIn platform. Uh, but you'll notice within the style and within the video content and, and how I write and how I share information, it is very much, I, I feel sometimes like a bowl in a China shop uh, because I'm, I'm coming with so much aggression in this arena because I am so passionate about it and it does mean so much to me. And it is my job and duty at the end of the day to ensure that people get informed on this information. It's not just for me to share to be nice or for, right. for me to share to grow our business. This is life and death scenarios for businesses and brands and large corporations. And ultimately what, what I see is, is a vision where if brands and businesses can better adapt to a Gen Z consumer, we create a, an output, which is a much better win-win uh, ultimately for the planet um, and, and for you know, future generations and societies and so on. Because this is a generation, we're already seeing it within sustainability where you know brands aren't up to sustainability standards gen z is quote unquote canceling them um in, in brands that don't adhere to uh diversity standards or have internal problems with sexual misconduct and things of that nature what what happens now they get canceled overnight and that's led by a gen z demographic and what happens when they're you know throwing chemicals into their products and and, and almost poisoning consumers right um obviously still going through fda uh guidelines but throwing 60 grams of sugar within you know, one serving size and expecting us to still consume that. Um, it, it's just insane. And, and so I think what Gen Z presents is an opportunity, uh, not only to, to grow your market share with a generation that creates a profitable scenario for yourself, but it also gets you in line with a long-term sustainable, uh, you know, business model and structure and product line and service line and so on. So that's ultimately my advice. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. And it's something that you have to approach with true authenticity. Um, and, ju and, and just like how I, I, I go and attack the LinkedIn platform, it is an arena that you do ultimately have to attack and, and do so with true ambition, authenticity, and passion. 
And really, in, from if I will add my little bit onto the end of that, is really have a focus on creating exceptional experiences because that is yep. really going to move the needle forward in terms of you connecting with your audience um, in the long run. So, uh, Jake, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today and sharing your take on how we can create more exceptional experiences. So thank you so much. Of course, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining Jake and myself on this week's episode of The Experienced Creators. We both hope that you enjoyed the conversation. And if you found the interview really valuable, then please make sure to subscribe to the channel so that you are notified the next time an expert graces The Experienced Creators stage. In the meantime, if you would like to join The Experienced Creators community, please sign up for our weekly newsletter in the description box below. This new newsletter is a chance for us to share insights, tips, creative strategies around how you can bring the experience that you offer to life. Thank you once again for watching and remember, one great experience can change someone's world.